Hi, this is Sam Chan, and welcome to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. So what I want to ask you is, is all these churches that you've worked with throughout the years that you've been doing this, and just this past year, what are, what are the great things that you love seeing that are common in most growing churches at this moment? At this moment, the common things are children, children's ministries. Uh, pastors are also looking forward to raising more leaders mm -hmm. because they are realizing that their legacy will be not what they leave behind, but who they leave behind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on the personal level, pastors are investing more and more into high potential yeah. leaders in their churches. But I think the gateway to a growing church right now in this season yeah. is children. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I've found that people will put up with mediocre preaching and uh, mediocre worship uh -huh. as long as the children are being blessed yep. and so they wake true. up saying, let's go to church. Uh, that is an important thing for pastors to understand. So you, at one, for example, at one time, it was youth ministry. Yeah. Now it's children. Yeah. And that's why we made a big investment here at this, this campus right here Yeah. with that big children's structure. I don't know if you saw it, but when you come out, when you walk out these doors to the right-hand side and between every single service, there's so many kids who are playing on that apparatus and having a great time. I think it's absolutely worth it. Totally. Putting totally. your money into kids. Great kids leaders. So what, what have you noticed about churches that are struggling? What is the common denominator there? The common denominator happens to be churches that have lost their flow and trying to find another flow. Mm. Uh, especially in the age of social media, mm. churches are losing who they are. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're trying to be like everybody else, and uh, somehow in there they lose their soul. Mm. They lose their mission. They lose their DNA. Uh, they are not who they were. They become somebody else. And, and emulating best practices is one thing, but trying to be like somebody else when God has given you your own armor mm -hmm. is another thing altogether. I think that's the Big challenge. As, you know, people are on Instagram, Facebook, and yeah. Twitter. And I mean, they're watching all this stuff from everywhere else. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, can we do this? Hey, let's do this. Uh, rather, yeah. uh, Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But don't lose yourself in the process. Yeah, absolutely. I still remember when we, uh -huh. um, when we started Inspire Church, what it was previously called, previously called Hope Chapel West Oahu because we came out of a Hope Chapel family. And I think... In the beginning stages, of course, you're going to emulate exactly what you've been taught. And then eventually you start forming your own personality, your own style. And I think at, for a season, I think we, we come to a place of we grab, we grab, we grab based on what we see as successes. Mm -hmm. And then we figure out eventually a couple of years later, we, are, we become who we are today. And I think, I, think, I think in the beginning, people were kind of, not mocking us, but I remember oh, they were saying... They were pretty critical? Pretty critical of us because we were changing. Yeah. And we were not like how we... Our, our, the parent church that we came out of. But, you know, I think it's like any kid. You know, you, you come from the same family, but eventually you find your own path and you become who you are. Yeah. Every, every church has its own soul. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so don't take... Don't, don't defer me theologically here. So... You know, the soul, spirit, body, mm -hmm. mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but every church has its own soul. Mm -hmm. Every church has to answer not what do you do, but who are you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, because I believe that God has a unique stamp 
on yes. the life of every church, a yes. unique mission, mm -hmm. a unique assignment on the life mm -hmm. of every church. Mm -hmm. And it's, but it is so easy to lose that yes. uh, because other things seem to be more attractive. Yes. And attractional is not really what you'll be uh, rewarded on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what mm -hmm. you'll be rewarded on is what did you do with what I gave you? That's mm -hmm. true. I gave you this, mm -hmm. and what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So true. In, in in the early days, we came out knowing this is who we are. We're not deviating from the plan. Uh, it worked for McDonald's. It worked for 7-Eleven. It's going to work for us. So we came out of the Hope Chapel family, which basically came from Foursquare, and we're very, very grateful for our roots. Sure, sure, sure. I, I, you know, I always thought that I'm going to do it exactly like Pastor Ralph did it, and we did. And then you get exposed to different parts of the body of Christ and the kingdom, and you just realize there's more than one way to do it. And you started, we started going to conferences, and then we started to see things. This is before Instagram, before Twitter. This is before all of that, where you actually literally had to fly there to go see it for yourself. You couldn't get it on YouTube. You couldn't download it, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. You had to go buy the DVD. Uh -huh. Or somebody had to bring the DVD to you. So you spent thousands of dollars just to go see how somebody is doing church successfully sure. and doing it great. And we were highly impacted by that first time when I went to, um, Hillsong, to Hillsong Conference totally. in Sydney. And we came back and we were doing a little bit of the Hope Chapel. We were doing a little bit of what Hillsong, a lot more of what Hillsong was doing and a little bit of New Hope and a little bit of who we were. And then instead of calling us Hope Chapel, they started calling us Hybrid Chapel. <laughs> you guys are the Hybrid Church. You're not a real Hope Chapel. And at first I took that personally. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm my spiritual father's son. I'm the, mo the most like him. No, you guys are not a Hope Chapel. You're not a real Hope Chapel. And finally I just started fighting it. I said, you know what? Maybe we're not anymore. Maybe this is who we are. We're hybrid. Call us whatever you want. You can call us a hybrid. But now I look, what's the biggest class of cars right now? It's probably hybrids. Mm -hmm. Hybrid vehicles are the most wanted vehicle. And so, so it becomes its own, its own class eventually. And maybe that's the big thing, right? Maybe you stick with it long enough doing what you're doing, doing it successfully, that you become in your own class. You become your own brand, for lack of a better word. Absolutely. And I think Lisa said it best. You, you know, you grow into it. Mm -hmm. uh, you... you uh, Find yourself. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and, and then it gets confirmed by the kind of people that God brings yes. to your team. Yes. Uh, and he gives you this vision and you're wondering how I'm going to do that. And next thing somebody comes along with that expertise. And next thing you know, there's money for that and facilities for that. Uh, but you, you've got to know that I think every pastor has to ask themselves one simple question. What is my life's assignment? Mm. That's true. And, and that is the, that's what you've got to live out your life assignment. Uh, for some, it is discipleship. Mm -hmm. For some, it is worship. evangelism. Yep. For some, it is worship. Uh, you know, for some, it is youth. I mean, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever mm -hmm. your life, for some, it is community. For mm -hmm. some, it is business and entrepreneurship. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, I know of pastors that are called to serve the business community. Mm. And they're doing it really, really well. And so the churches are uh, percolating with entrepreneurs and uh, like a business incubator, mm -hmm. so as to speak. But bottom line is, who are you? That's a good question. <laughs> and what has God called you to do? Mm -hmm. Now, I can go and get tools and ideas and uh, programs from other mm -hmm. places. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But you, it's got to be the uh, real, the real authentic deal. you. Yeah. yeah. And so people good. can tell. People Absolutely. can tell, yes. I want to ask you a question. Um, what, what, what do you feel leaders are missing today in order to lead more effectively in the world that we live in? That's a really, really good question uh, and difficult to answer, but I'll just give you my opinion. I okay. think leaders are less curious today because they can Google it. Mm. Uh -huh. 
and also leaders are less self-aware today. Mm -hmm. Awareness, self-aware of who they are, who they were, who they are, who they're becoming, their ages and stages, mm. uh, knowing that this is who I was, but that's not who I am, and being comfortable with that. But on the curiosity side of things, uh, asking more questions, not every answer, not every problem has, has to be fixed. Uh, mm. You know, wondering why is that and how is that and how can we gain more understanding of that rather than Google, go to the first two answers there and figure out something from there. Mm. Uh, just, I think we rush towards change and we don't like to churn. Mm. Churning is just kind of living in the moment and saying, let me think about this. Let me pray about this. Let me let me talk to a few people about this. Let me uh, get more around it. So we're in a hurry of, I mean, I might miss the train if I didn't do that. Yeah. Rather than, it's all right. So question about the churning part. Why, why do you think we have trouble churning? Because we are in a hurry. It looks like everybody's in a hurry to get somewhere. Uh, if I don't do, somebody else might do it. If, sure. if I don't do this now, this moment will pass. This window is about to close. And I don't see God in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, look at his promise. I'm coming back soon. And uh, the soon is a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, his promise to Abraham, you know, it took mm -hmm. 25 years. His, uh, his formation of Moses into a leader took, some say 40, some say 80, depends on which way you want to uh, chunk out his life of, 120, 40, 40, uh -huh. 40. And, and we, we just seem to be in a rush to get from one place to the other rather than just saying, God, uh, you're at work. I'm on your timetable. Mm -hmm. You open the door. I'm ready to walk through. I'm prepared. Rather than I got to make this happen. And the more you make it happen, the more he says, okay, carry on. Yeah. Very good. It's almost like a fashion trend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're wearing skinny jeans? Okay, we were all wearing skinny jeans. Now we're not wearing skinny jeans. We're going to wear these whatever type of jeans there is now. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you, uh, what, what are you seeing as the strengths and challenges of the next generation of leaders, such as the millennials and Generation Z? I think the next generation wants to change the world. Mm. We want to change our neighborhoods. <laughs> we want to change our communities they actually want to change the world. So their wow. vision is bigger than our vision. Uh -huh. Now we get challenged because we look at them and say, but you're just 22. And what are you talking about? And yet you look at our world, it is those <laughs> young ones who are really taking the world. And I think we have a lot to learn from them, that they don't have barriers, they don't preempt ideas, they don't sidetrack ideas. They find friends to do it with. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't let, let lack of resources hold them back. Uh, if it's not going to happen right now, we're going to still do it. They are willing to make mistakes and get beyond that. Failure does not define them. It's not fatal mm -hmm. for them. Uh, they, they also know that uh, we can do more together than we can do by ourselves. So uh, wow. they do a lot of life together. They hang out together. They don't have to have everything ironed out. Uh, me and my wife, old people that we are, if we're meeting with another couple, we want to know, you know, three weeks ahead of time when we're going to do dinner, where we're going to meet them up, what time we're going to meet up. You know, I ask my kids, uh, 37, 39, uh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to have some 
We're going to go out with some friends. What are you going to do? I don't know. Where are you going to meet up? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Are uh, you going for dinner? I think so, but we'll, we'll know. And they're okay with the, they're un, they're okay with the ambiguity. Yep. And I think that is their strength to be able to flow with stuff, yeah. whereas we had to have everything defined and everything True. in place. Yeah. But I'm very excited about the Z generation especially. Uh, the Z-Gens are... Who are they? They are the ones who graduated from high school in 2017, 2018. Wow. Yeah. So they are your uh, 19, 20-year-olds right now. Uh, more mature than we were when we were 18, 19, 20. Uh, they are not frivolous with their money. They have life goals. They are postponing... Uh, uh, the things for right from right now into the future. Mm. They're not for instant gratification. Uh, they're studious. They're very resourceful. They can find answers. They are not as dependent on their parents as we were. Uh, they find mm -hmm. independence faster. They are education-minded. Yeah. They want stability in life. Mm. They will marry later in life. Uh, they are career-oriented. Uh, they're not necessarily looking for a job. They're looking to start businesses. So I think uh, more business entrepreneurs are in the Z generation than ever before. Wow. Uh, because they, are, they just think differently. They are more exposed. They have never used a landline. Uh, <laughs> they were born with it's a phone. It's called a telephone. <laughs> yeah, they were born with a phone in their hand. Yeah. They do all their business on phone. Uh, we uh, use our phones. They enjoy their phones. <laughs> True. <laughs> so uh, we are yeah. afraid we're going to do something wrong. They are always... That's their life. They do all everything. their business on everything is on the phone. Uh, so it's a, it's a different way of, of thinking. It's like, I got, I got this. Yes. You don't have to make it for me. Mm. It's almost like they are more influential than, probably when, than, we, than when we were. Absolutely. They because are. of the amount of followers, when you think about it, that they, that they are surrounded with, that they can get a word out so much quicker than a marketing ad. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And they, ha they have friends who are for them. Yeah. Uh, they, they, it's really neat to see how collaborative they are and how less competitive they are. Mm. Mm. It's not like if I give you my idea, you're going to do something with it. It's like, here's my idea. What do you think? Yeah. Collaboration. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, their, their barriers are lower. They are not competing with each other. Mm -hmm. And they help each other. Uh, you know, so uh, go fund me, for example, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just out to do their, uh, their uh, fundraising walks, runs. It just, it is just, uh, hey, my friend is having this. I'm going to go and help And they all just her. come together. Yeah. And they don't have to form committees and uh, task forces and mm -hmm. teams. They just kind of do it. And, and yeah. so the, the informality mm -hmm. uh, is just so strong. The relationships are strong. They're going somewhere in life together. Yeah. Because I even thinking in our school system, um, because our youngest one just switched school this year, and they have a, a different learning pathways for kids now. It's not just you just sit on your desk and you just listen to a teacher teach you for an hour. There's a, there's a place where kids who just want to collaborate versus sitting in a classroom mm -hmm. the whole time. So I'm looking at that thinking, what a great way of this generation and yeah. how they they're learning. Uh -huh. I wish we had that. Yeah. You know, ours ours was just black and white. Five plus five is ten. That's right. You know, but this generation had to write out five plus five. Well, why is it ten? Mm -hmm. And in our head, 
no one told us why five plus five was ten. <laughs> so I think this generation, they like to talk it out. They like to talk things through. They want to come up with a, an idea together mm -hmm. because it, it just there's not a lot of silo type of peak this generation. They they really love being with each other. They like community. They like uh, community. I have a 19 year old granddaughter. Uh, she likes studying. She's in nursing school. She likes studying at Starbucks. Start studying at. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts, like love starting, you know, where there's people, there's community. Mm. Uh, we studied at the kitchen table. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. In a private environment. Libraries. Was, we libraries. had libraries. We had libraries. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Now the library is on their phone. Yeah. It's crazy. Yes. Well, I got another question then because it leads to part of this generational leadership. But it also is, <clears throat> talks about business people and people in the marketplace. As you work with leaders both in church and in the marketplace, entrepreneurs, everything, big CEOs, what are the highest or the biggest lessons each sector can learn from one another? I think uh, the business community has a lot to teach the church mm. on uh, productivity, on accountability, on assuring that uh, stewardship takes place. And the business community has a lot to learn from the church as to how we need to be other-minded, community-minded, how do we reach people, how do we meet them at their point of need. The good thing is I'm seeing more and more of that. I'm seeing more churches who are uh, doing collaborative work with uh, businesses and mm -hmm. businesses that are finding uh, strength in, in uh, churches. Yep. Uh, there, there are businesses that want to give back to people and the churches are giving them the avenue to do that because that's a church's uh, core competency mm -hmm. is to reach the community. On the other hand, uh, businesses are also finding out that they can leverage the dollars more if this serve the church in helping that happen. And so there's, there's a, there's a, I'm seeing more collaborations between businesses and communities. And one of the reasons why is I think more and more pastors are seeing the business community, not as a competitor, mm. but uh, a demographic to pastor. Mm. Yeah. So, so, you know, all yeah. the 12 disciples of Jesus were business people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when he was launching uh, a global entity known as the church, yeah. And he, he was launching a company that was going to go global. He could, the CEO of our company knew that there'll be one of his stores, at least one. And in many cases, many, many more in every village, city, burg, yeah. <laughs> in every, every continent, every country. He could envision. He said, you know, you're going to be in Jerusalem. Your, your headquarters are going to be in Jerusalem. But pretty soon you're going to go outside that yeah. into Samaria and then Judea, Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the world. And, and so he... Who should I have as my first franchisees? Mm -hmm. Who will carry this business model yeah. further? Yeah. And it was not church folk. He didn't choose anybody from mm -hmm. the Sanhedrin or the rabbinical mm -hmm. school or the school of the prophets. Yeah. He went to the business community yep. and they made changes. They made this. I mean, read the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts from that point of view, you see the moving headquarters from Jerusalem to Antioch mm -hmm. because they could not go global from <laughs> so Jerusalem. True. That was the yeah. ecclesiastical center of the world, but the economic center of the world was Antioch, the crossroads of the world. So, yeah, we can go do that. The, the decision they made in um, Acts chapter 6 as to how they're going to solve the food distribution problem mm -hmm. yeah. 
was a very business-oriented thing, especially if you unpack the first few verses. Uh, Acts chapter 15, where the question of circumcision is coming up, mm -hmm. and they looked at it from the global perspective and said, hey, listen, if we just uh, only people who are circumcised can become believers, then we got, it will just become a, mm -hmm. uh, Christianity will become a sect mm -hmm. of the of Judaism. But if you're going to go global, mm -hmm. we cannot have that over yeah. there. So you start seeing the decisions that they made yeah. and how they made them. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, God has always used the business community. The, the, in the Old Testament, you know, see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these guys are landowners, business owners, mm -hmm. yeah. real estate mm -hmm. moguls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Exactly. <laughs> as far as the eye could see, they owned it all. Yeah. Kind of a thing. It's like Montana ranchers. That's something like that. So I, I just think uh, church and uh, business have a real collaborative opportunity in this window that God has given to us and uh, the more pastors value the business community the greater their influence can be i would have to agree with that 100 percent. so you think about this for a moment a lot of pa a lot of pastors but not all of them a lot of them are entrepreneurial you know when they're starting a new campus it's like starting a new business totally um of course definitely different but you're starting a new business mm -hmm. you're using a proven model you're mm -hmm. trying something new or something of the same in a different market in a different um area or region or town or city and I love that. And I've always, for me personally, I've always had this entrepreneurial bent. I've always, part of me wishes I was a businessman, but the <laughs> other part of me knows that I'm a pastor. But then there are people who are in business that can pastor other people, so to speak. They have that marketplace mentality that, that I'm called to this. This is what I'm called to. Not what you're doing is a higher calling, Mike, but I'm called to business. You're called to the church. We're going to build a kingdom together and I think there's a marrying of the what they call it, the old terms, but the kings and the priests come mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. I was reading in First Chronicles. I think it was First Chronicles. No, I was reading in Zechariah. And in the book of Zechariah, it talks about, oh gosh, I wish I got this memorized, but his name was Jeshua. And Jeshua was the son of a high priest. And the Lord said to Zechariah, say to Jeshua that these three men are coming back with gold and silver from Babylon because you're going to rebuild the temple. But when you get that gold and silver, I want you to take that gold and silver. I want you to make a crown. And I want you to crown the son of the priest with that crown. If you're a son of a priest, that means you're going to be a priest. You're in the Levitical priesthood. You're going to be, it's going to be passed on to your generation. But he says, I want you to put the crown on the priest. And then it says this later on, that he will rule from Jerusalem, but also he will be king and priest, and there will be harmony between both his roles. Wow. When I read that, I went, this is powerful. I'd never seen this before. That's great. And I believe that there are people who have harmony between both mm -hmm. roles. In the church, in business, harmony between both roles. Then I also believe we're bringing harmony between both roles. The kings and the priests, the marketplace people, and those who are um, pastors bring harmony between both roles. You know, the issues are the same in for-profit and non-profit. All right. Mm -hmm. Just the language is different. Yeah. Both of you, I'm talking about uh, profit and non-profit, have to deal with facilities, build mm -hmm. brick and mortar, mm -hmm. staffing, yep. money, mm -hmm. stakeholders, stockholders, however you want to call that. A board. Uh, mm -hmm. the, yeah, boards. You got to deal with uh, expansion. You got to deal with legal. You got to deal with insurance. You got to deal with uh, all the community uh, laws. You have to deal with taxes. Issues are the same. How you measure the bottom line is the only difference. So in business, you measure the bottom line by profit and loss. Mm -hmm. In a church, you measure the bottom line by 
emptier hell, fuller heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Salvation. <laughs> Discipleship, right? Exactly. So, so our, 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 our bottom line measurements are different. But apart from that, so when people come to this church, for example, uh, from the business community, they got to know that you are a king and a priest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you are both a pastor and a business person to so this church and the business. Like Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. Mm-hmm. So when a business person is sitting in your church or watching you online, they've got to realize that you are dealing with everything they are dealing with. Mm-hmm. Everything that sure. they're dealing with, sure. you're dealing with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and their growth strategies, growth strategies. Mm-hmm. Media, media. I mean, on and on it goes. So the whole notion that uh, you do something, you're a different world, mine is a different world, is not true. 